0: Another, day, another dollar makes you wonder where you Hi, folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival scream. Podcast. As always, one man's deal and changing, changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better matter. life if times get tough, or even if they sing. don't come into you today. Snowy Arlington, Texas. No, I am not kidding. This is not the uh, Northeast Blizzard doesn't bother me at all, isn't even going to interfere with our day, though I'm sure that Kroger and Albertsons and Tom Thumb and the other supermarkets will be stripped of milk and bread today by people that freak out because that's what people in North Texas do when we get a couple inches of snow, but I'm looking at my deck right now, and it is about two inches, and it's still coming down, and we have snow forecasted for much the rest of the day, Um, so... I don't know, I might have about four inches of accumulated global warming in my backyard uh, by the end of the day. And the dogs are loving it. The cat's freaking out, doesn't know what to do. Um, It's just, you know what, I'm actually enjoying it. I think it's just gorgeous looking at this. And if you're up in the northeast, I'm sorry that you're dealing with a lot more. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're actually going to do a follow-up show. I did a show last week on underrated skills for preppers. Uh, skills that maybe people don't generally look at as, you know, to walk, to, to walk any skills. You know, end of the world as we know it skills. If we ever had the complete societal breakdown, what are some uh, things that we might need to be able to do? And uh, people have come up with a lot of great additional ones, and that was my hope. See, it it drives me nuts when I do a show, guys, honestly. You know, I do a show, and someone comes in with, like, a smart-ass attitude. They're like, I can't believe you didn't say Of course I didn't. Right? I do a show for 45 minutes to an hour a day. And there's only so much information we can cover in one show. It also amazes me that no matter how hard you try to explain what you're doing, some numbskulls won't get it, like one of the guys that commented on this about how important it is to be able to uh, have superior force over your opponents and be armed and everything, and uh, I guess didn't comprehend the term underrated. Underrated, meaning skills that not everybody talks about. You know, because that's the one thing that you always hear about in in the end of the world food storage and guns. We wanted to go a little bit beyond that. We're going to go further beyond that today. I think we'll have an interesting show and an interesting discussion. And remember, all the suggestions and stuff either comes from comments on that blog post that went along with that episode, uh, or they come from a forum thread about it. If you you send it to me in an email, folks, it's not going to get on the air. I tell you about when I want to do these follow-up shows, you've got to get involved with the community so I have everything in one place. I have enough to do without trying to filter 400 different emails and find three or four that are for a follow up show. Um, that said, I do answer your questions by email on, on episodes, usually on Mondays. Uh, if you want to send me a question, you can send an email to Jack at the com and put in the headline question for Jack. Please get your question out in one to two sentences. If you feel compelled to write a book explaining your situation, do that after you ask your question. If you write me a book, I very may well not read it. I might read it, but I probably won't. I'm telling you how to increase your odds. With that, let's knock out some housekeeping. Housekeeping item of the day number one, as per usual, as I laugh at a little squirrel digging in the snow trying to find... Um, the sunflower seeds I put out there for them. Uh, Anyway, uh, sponsor of the day number one today uh, is uh, Survival Seed Bank from Solutions from Science. The Survival Seed Bank, I think, is an uh, an item that's been misunderstood by people of exactly what it is. I've had one or two complaints where people said, man, I bought this stuff, and I looked at the seeds in it, I could have went out and got these seeds for less somewhere else. Yes, you can. That's not the point of the Survival Seed Bank. It's the way that the seeds are packaged in the material that they're packaged with, and then they're put into their hard case, and it's designed to be something that lasts 20 years. It is not for you to buy and plant your garden with next summer. For that type of thing, go out to Seed Savers Exchange, Seeds of Change, which I'll talk about in just a second, high-mowing organic seeds, any of these places, buy your seeds there and use those for your day-to-day plantings. This is for long-term storage. So that if we ever have some some type of situation like we're talking about today, you have long-term stored seed put up so that you'll always have the ability to replant and regrow. That's what that's all about. It's about having crop failures in the future. Let's say we did have one of these massive disasters, right? Okay, now, you have a whole bunch of seed that you've been saving and working with, and you've ordered from catalogs, and the ability to do that dries up, and you go out there and plant and say, I'll just save my seed and replant. And then you have a crop failure that year. Late snow like this comes in and wipes out your crop. No seed and no food. See, with reserve seed, there's something to replace that. Old military adage, two is one and one is none, and if you're following that, you're two- better be something that's going to last a long time. That's what Survival Seed Bank is all about. Next sponsor of the day is Backyard Food Production. You want to know how to grow that food. You want to know how to uh, to actually live off the land. You want to see how to put together an operation where you get meat and eggs from geese. You get eggs from chickens. You have a self-perpetuating rabbit operation where you grow all most of the food anyway that the rabbits eat right on your own property. You want to see how to put swales in, and instead of using expensive surveying equipment, how to use $10 worth of stuff you can buy at Home Depot and put perfectly level swales in? You want to learn how to do these things? Check out Backyard Food Production and check out through DVD. I think you can learn a lot from it. Folks, I know an awful lot about gardening and permaculture. I could write several books on the subject if I want to. I had to watch this DVD about five times just to absorb everything in it. I can't tell you how much I've learned from it. I am totally stoked that we have these guys as a uh, advertiser. I know I'm going a bit long with the advertisers today, but these are two that I really believe in for their intended purposes. Okay, now let's move on from there real quick. Uh, I want to remind you to connect with us in every, every single way that you can. Uh, if you use any social media outlets, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, get connected. to us. subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm giving away a bunch of crap next week, a bunch of stuff. If you're not on the YouTube channel, you can't play in the pot of the, uh, the contest next week. It's going to be for YouTube subscribers only. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you don't have a YouTube account, set one up. It takes like five minutes. If you already have a Google account, you basically just, when you set it up, you log into Google and link it. Uh, and that will let you subscribe, make friends, and post comments on videos. All right. The... Um, Next uh, thing I want to talk to you about is Members Brigade. And I wanna, I'm want i going to go two minutes on this commercial today, but it's a big deal. Don't hit the fast-forward button. You're going to get a sale opportunity here. Uh, this is going to be one time and done. I might do something similar, probably not as good, late in the summer. Uh, this is going to be your option here um, or your, your opportunity here. I am running a sale right now. On Members Brigade to try to boost cash flow in the early part of the year so that I don't have to worry about it in the next few months while we're getting this house ready to sell and move the heck out of here. I'm going to have enough going on trying to keep the show going and, and, and try, you know, any, I don't want any financial worries. So I talked to it about it with Dorothy. We've decided to do this and we're going to do it big and it's a pretty good deal. Here's what's going on. There are discount codes for every type of membership you can sign up for. With Members Brigade, you support the show at 20 cents an episode is what it really comes down to. When you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. Discounts from 14 vendors and new vendors being added all the time. There's over 20 videos. There's like 8 free ebooks. The ebook value totals up to like $100. Somebody asked me yesterday, do I need a special reader for the ebooks? No, they're in PDF. All you need is a computer and Adobe Reader, which is free if you don't already have it installed. Most computers come with it today. All right? So that's the kind of stuff you get. Well, what am I doing? Uh, monthly is $5 a month. Now, you have to use PayPal to sign up for these. So if you don't have a PayPal account, you have to set one up. Um, I'm not doing that to be mean. I'm doing that because that's the only way I can do this right now. But at a monthly, um, it's $5 a month. Well, what I'm doing with the coupon code, you get the first month for $5. If you want that deal, the coupon code is 31BB, 31, bravo, bravo. The B's must be capitalized. Um, on quarterly, it's $15 every three months or $60 a year. What I'm doing for quarterly, uh, $7.50 for your first payment and then $15 on the subsequent one. So I'm knocking half off the first one. The longer you subscribe for, the better the deal here, folks. Uh, I also have a semi-annual wait, um The discount code for that is eight nine one nine. Don't worry about the discount because I'm just going to give you. I'll tell you how to how to find all of it uh, online, real easy. Um, Semi annual is thirty dollars every six months, and uh, what I'm doing is fifteen dollars for the first six months, and then thirty dollars for your your recurring cycle. Annual is fifty dollars a year, which is already saving you ten bucks off the other memberships permanently. Uh, What I'm doing with that is your first year for thirty seven dollars and fifty cents discount code for that 6034. Um, All you have to do if you want to see everything that's in the members brigade and get all the discount codes and decide if you want to sign up or not, go to com forward slash sale, S-A-L-E, right? Go there or go to today's show on the blog. It'll be in the show notes. That's it. And how long is this sale running? It's running until midnight on Valentine's Day, Sunday the 14th. I didn't do it that way to make it a Valentine's Day sale. We just decided we'd run it through a weekend, and this is the weekend we decided to do it. There you go. Best deal I can make on Members Brigade. Probably will never happen again. If it does, it'll be something similar late, late, late in the summer after we're moved. So if you've been on the fence, get off and start taking advantage of everything that we provide uh, in the Members Brigade. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the main subject today. So again, we're following up today on what was episode 371 of the Survival Podcast, and again, today is episode 376, so it wasn't that long ago that we did this. The title of that episode was 10 Underrated post tito Skills, uh, tito of course, being the end of the world as we know it, shorthand for that. And I talked about things like electrical engineering and more like, you know, being able to kind of MacGyver stuff from that that, that type of a, a thing. Computer programming and networking as we start to rebuild society. Again, not the, the guy that sits in the cube of a global, but the guy that can take old computers and tie them into a solar system and make good things happen with them. Selling and negotiating logistics, navigational competency, primitive cooking uh, and primitive food storage, permaculture design, the ability to teach without a state-provided lesson plan, Tool making, carpentry, and woodworking were the things that I talked about. And um, we have a lot of responses to this, and uh, a couple of them I want to bring up. LVSCHANT, I don't know how you pronounce that. Sorry there, bud. Uh, it says, great show, good food for thought. I'm also thinking about gaining knowledge in natural medicines and herbs, will be very important in maintaining health during, the re- health during the rebuilding. When dietary limitations may cause degradation of health in some, I realize that you do talk about this one pretty often, so maybe it's one of the more commonly thought of as a needed skill. And the knowledge of home remedies and treatments of common illness. Dr. Kyle Christensen's book on the subject would be a great start for people. Um, I'm going to stop there because I go into a different one. That is great, and I think that's a good one that we stop and we follow up on today. Yesterday in the mail uh, came to me a fairly large box full of herbs, uh, plantain, golden seal root. Uh, some beeswax All that stuff came from Dr. Christensen Out at Western Botanicals And he has already emailed me some instructions That I'll have to go and dig up Because it was a while ago that he sent them But what he's, he's sent to me Is exactly what you need To make a uh, herbal preparation That's a salve for wounds That could very well save your life in that type of of end-of-the-world scenario, Uh, even in just a short-term survival situation. Let's say major flooding, major ice storm, where you're stuck alone for three or four weeks uh, without medical help, and you've got an infected wound. Uh, This is a drawing agent and an antibiotic that can be made with things that you can pick up off the ground. Uh, So I'll be putting that together, and I think that is a huge skill. And I do think it's underrated. I don't think you're wrong there, LDS Shant. I think you're dead on. I think that people don't think about it enough. I think people pay lip service to it. But people pay lip service to a lot of things. Just like the person that thinks they're ready to uh, defend themselves because they have a couple AR-15s in a gun locker. Uh, And we'll talk about that in a second with another comment. But... People pay lip service to like herbal medicine stuff as well. They might learn one or two skills. But it's more than just learning which plants do what. That's something any book can actually teach you. The bigger thing is learning how to prepare them and which herbs get prepared in which ways. You know, Is this something that needs to be done with an extract made with alcohol or can you extract this herb sufficiently with water? Does it need to be concentrated? What are the mixture ratios? Does it need to be made into a poultice? All of these things, I think, are things that we really need more and more people learning how to do. Now, Dr. Kyle's book, I'll post the link to that today, is really uh, amazing, Herbal First Aid in Medicine. It's just a great book, and it has practical first aid techniques. Blended with the world of herbal medicine, it was designed to be something that if you had an herbal kit or even just a medical kit, you could put that book in there. And if you got into a situation where you didn't have access to you know modern medications, you would have a guide that went along with with typical medical care. And it's outstanding. And I think more people should take the time to learn that skill. And I do think that's kind of be, going to be if we ever have. And again, folks. If you're new to the show, the, the end-of-the-world scenarios, right, the, you know, solar flare activity that we talked about yesterday, coronal mass ejection, wiping out the entire electrical grid around the world, uh, that type of thing, these are the one-in-a-million scenarios. They're not likely to occur. The reason we perform this mental exercise of looking at them is because it shows us where our weaknesses are and if we shore up those weaknesses when we have shorter term more likely disasters like a major ice storm that cuts off an area for let's say a few weeks we're definitely able to get through those. So that's why we do these mental exercises and because we face the reality that it actually could happen. Alright, that's the other side of it. But we don't run around worrying about that. But in that scenario, the person that is a good herbalist Immediately becomes the new country doctor. And even the doctor, right? The guy that is a doctor, maybe he keeps his head down during the beginning of a crash because he'll be overwhelmed, but his society rebuilt. Even that doctor, he can't just phone up Merck and and, uh, ask for some more drugs in that scenario, right? So he has to go there too. And I think that that's going to be a very, very important skill. So, very good little piece of input there. Uh, there's Continuing on, this person says, Another type of valuable skill that may go along with your negotiating skill, the ability to tell stories, entertain, perform music. I'm thinking these things will be valuable in lifting spirits in people under great stress. People need joy in life. Very true words. Entertaining has always had value entertaining has always been important telling a good story has always been important there's not a kid that had a life where they got to grow up with grandparents that didn't enjoy sitting on a grandparent's lap or knee or at their feet listening to them tell stories By, as human beings it's what we do it's how so many of our traditions became traditions and, and got passed down is through telling stories we're social people we're social creatures And I think that it's more than just telling stories. People that are musicians, I think, will have a place. I think that to say that we're really going to be happy to have a guy that can play blues harmonica and not do much else right in the middle of catastrophe is a bit overly optimistic. Though even in those situations, there may be times where it's appropriate. and does help people keep their heads, so to speak. All right? But once we get, again, into a rebuilding cycle, and you have that small community life, or if people choose to create that life for themselves now instead of waiting for the crafts, that type of skill, acting, singing, playing instruments, it's always been valuable. See, I actually think that musicians today generally don't make a living for themselves when many of them are good enough uh, to be able to do that. I, I think you know there are musicians that suck, let's be honest, but there's a lot of people that are maybe very good at playing classical guitar, um, very good at, at, at have maybe a little blues band or something like that. And their problem is today they don't know how to market themselves. And I guess if the shit hit the fan where there's not many of them left, that'll be less of a problem. But today, if you're that person, don't wait for the shit hit the fan so that your your skill can be valuable. Make your skill valuable today. We went and saw a little band that played at a place called Elroy, a little restaurant, played out on a, a deck. And I, I tell you what, these guys probably made 100 bucks in tips that night plus whatever they were paid to come there and play, sold some merchandise and all. But you know what? I have no idea where they're going to be playing next. They did nothing to collect email addresses. right? They, I mean, guys, if you are a musician, you need to be marketing yourself all the time. Good set of business cards, uh, maybe some demo music, and just constantly look for opportunities. Uh, there's an article that I'm going to put out, because I know I have entertainers in the audience and I don't have business people in the audience, and both of, both sides can learn from this. It's called 1,000 True Fans. And it explains to you how you can be very, very successful and make a good living as an artist, no matter what your art is, whether it's painting, music, acting, comedian, uh, or if it's creating entertainment in any shape or form, uh, with only 1,000 people that really love you that really are true fans of yours. I think that's an enlightening article. This just made me think of it. It's kind of an aside, but uh, we'll put it up. Let's look at the next comment from the blog. Okay, the next person's uh, handle on the blog is EPH2. So I guess that's F squared. Uh, I'm not sure. But this is Jack Rake podcast As always, they think that maybe you undervalue your marketing skills in Tito-Walky uh, T-Towalki situations. Leadership and marketing go hand-in-hand. Uh, building the consensus, getting everyone on the same page, defining vision. Couple that with resolve, bravery, trustworthiness of a leader, and you have a good combination. Uh, This stems from, I made a comment that a lot of the marketing skills that I have would be absolutely useless in in an end-of-the-world scenario. I, I still think that's the case. Um, What you're talking about here in this comment with people that can build a consensus, get everyone on the same page, and define vision, that's actually leadership, and to some degree it's salesmanship. I think uh, more on a business lesson today, people blend sales and marketing together as a single discipline. They're not a single discipline. Sales is the ability to get a person to take an action, okay, once that person is warmed to the presentation. So a salesperson is a closer. Now that could be closing someone to buy a new car. That could be closing someone to buy a new house. That could be closing someone to join or leave a group. That could be closing someone to get on board with the consensus of a community. It doesn't always have to be about money, but that's a sales skill. Marketing is a totally different discipline. It is something I didn't understand until rather late in my career when I made a shift into a marketing world. Marketers are people that are fishermen, they cast nets, and they generate interest. Once the interest is generated, you go from a marketing uh, cycle to a sales cycle. All the marketer does is generate interest and analyze segments. And and, uh, some of the marketing stuff, I guess I do, could be useful, sort of. Um, But when I was saying that a lot of marketers will find that their skills are useless in uh, an end-of-the-world scenario, what I'm talking about is analytics and analysis. I know a gentleman, this guy makes about 150K a year, and he's probably not being paid half of what he's worth today. Because you can dump a spreadsheet with a million people in it, tell him what you're looking for, and he starts running his crap, and the next day he'll come to you with the most 10,000 perfectly targeted people for whatever it is you're looking for out of them, and that, that analysis will be spot on every time. And if you test any other block out of that group, his block will always be most bang for your buck. Great today. Absolutely useless if there's no power, electricity, and no commerce. right? So that's what I was talking about there. But good points. Um, here's another one. I, I don't recall much discussion on your show about basic first aid as well as advanced support. These are essential skills that many people I encounter seem to be lacking. This is a topic for a future show. I completely agree. And there's a lot of things that I'm really good at and I know a lot about. Hunting and fishing, I'm your man. Alternative energy, I'm sort of your man. Okay, Permaculture and guarding, definitely your man. Right? Leadership, I can talk about that. Medical care, weak. Admittedly weak. Even though I took a combat lifesavers course in the military. That was designed to make people live long enough until a real medic got there. That was it. So I don't talk a lot about first aid and medical care um, other than the herbal angle because I've spent a lot of time researching that, and I understand the plants and what they're good for. But if you want me to tell you exactly what to do if a person has an artery that's spurting blood, all I know to do is grab onto it and hold it tight. And I don't know really how to put together a good, solid medical kit beyond much more than a basic first aid kit. And I'm talking about a first aid kit that's a lot better than what you get uh, from Walmart or whatever. And I guess I could talk about putting, make sure you have clotting agents and things like that. Uh, but the person who has the medical expertise in my home is my wife who's been a nurse now for like 25 years. I've I had people ask me if I will get her on the show to talk about medical issues and what we would do and how you would handle different situations. Folks, you're going to have to help me. Right? I want some real encouragement for my wife to do that, very positive, because she doesn't want to. She's not the outgoing personality that I did, and she's basically shy to come on the show, even though I do it every day. And sometimes she sits on the couch, she doesn't go to work, and watches me do it, and sees that nothing bad can happen because it's pre-recorded. So that's why I don't talk about that much. I actually believe, very much so, that that's, that's important. Next thing that uh, M- MJK says is also basic common sense home fire prevention skills are important. Discussion on residential fire sprinklers and advantages as a way to decrease your property loss as well. Uh, great importance in a rural area because you may be a great distance from a fire station which may have limited capabilities. Completely agree with absolutely nothing to do with end-of-the-world scenarios where you don't have any water pressure unless, say like, you should put a water tower up to run your sprinkler system. We're talking about the electricity is gone. So... Not that fire prevention is not a, a big thing. And one day we're actually going to talk about fire prevention the way that a permaculture is seasoned. Because when you start building property out in the country, mountains and forests and valleys and things like that, you have a real risk of fire danger. Believe it or not, permaculture design addresses that. So I'll talk about it in the future, but not really um, an a end-of-the-world skill, I guess, unless we take it to that type of level. The residential stuff, uh, we're going to have bigger fish to fry. Other than you're right, it may help you when there's a breakdown to not lose your home to fire. Uh, So at least there's that. Also continues on, as economic conditions in the U.S. continue to deteriorate, I believe our economic maladies are only just beginning. I agree with you there. Uh, We are going to see an increase in burglary, vandalism, and arson, often in an attempt to cover previous crime. Discussion on securing your homestead and deterring crime might be one of the advantages for your audience. I see that as basic home defense. Um, So, again, underrated skills are what we were looking at here. So that's why I didn't go into how to defend your home, how to protect it from vandalism. It's also the preventative measure. What we're looking for here are the skills that you need once the crash has happened, the systems of support have failed, and you and a few other hundred people have come together and decided to build something anew. So, that's what this little blow-thought experiment is, that's why I didn't go there. Because everybody already talks about that. Here's what that's not about skill but it's interesting. Um, Vitario, sorry if I got your name wrong there. Uh, Vitarro, Vitaro, whatever. Um, on animals using tools, crows are also tool users. Because I was talking about making tools and, and how tool making and using separates us from you know, the animal kingdom and why tool making is an important skill. He says, they're incredibly smart animals. I've seen videos where they make hooks out of pieces of scrap to get something out of a narrow tube. And one of the coolest ones I saw, a nut was floating in a narrow cylinder too far down for the crow to reach. It picked up rocks out of its cage and dropped them in the cylinder until the water level rose enough that it could reach the nut. Wow, I had no idea crows were that smart. I knew they were smart. I used to hunt them as a kid, uh, running around in the coal region with my 22. And there was a crow that had white spots on its wings. This was not a magpie. This was a crow. It didn't look anything like a magpie. It was two white tufts on its wings. I saw that crow a lot. I chased it, never got a shot at it. One day I was telling my father about it and figured he wouldn't believe me. He said, uh, yeah, my, my little brother, your uncle, he hunted that crow for 10 years, and I guess it's still around. So that tells you how smart they are. Um, I guess it's a good thing that nobody likes to eat crow because it'd be hard to make a living eating crow. Um, Next one is uh, pretty interesting. Great show from James. Uh, What about plumbing, including composting toilets? In the end of the world, people will need, um, well, you know, you're right. The ability to go in and create um, effective solutions for plumbing in general both for waste material and for water flow. Hugely necessary. Now, a lot of us are already in situations where we've set things up similar to this. Uh, Let's be honest. If you have a septic system, instead of using city sewer, uh, unless something blows up your location, that septic system, while not maybe the most environmentally friendly way you could do it, is going to keep functioning. And the worst thing you'll have to do is pump it out. Um, If you have a well, as long as you have some source of energy to run the well pump, You're good with water. But we're talking about a place where society's trying to rebuild, and a lot of people aren't set up that way. And now just going out and buying some solar panels to run your well pump or getting a well pump or any of these things or getting pipe, finding PVC pipe may be all but impossible. And to understand how to do things in a primitive manner. And again, this is, folks, I think this is going to show you why I'm so big on permaculture. Permaculture has all those answers. You start reading the Designer's Manual by Bill Mollison. You'll find answers to fire prevention. You'll even find ways you'll sur- find survival techniques in the permaculture manual. How to build a solar still. In, in the permaculture manual. There's an affinity there that I think a lot of folks aren't aware of yet. That's why I talk about it. Here's, a, here's another one uh, from Stefan F. Here's a skill you probably have never thought about in your life. That uh, seems you think you know a lot about me there, man. Uh, salt making. Salt will be very important, uh, mainly as a preservative. Salt in curing foods has been the main way to keep them over the winter. But a deer, a deer takes, a, a deer takes a lot of salt to cure. Oh, a deer takes a lot of salt to cure. Where will you get salt? If you live near the ocean, great, plenty of salt, right? Well, it takes about five years to evaporate enough water to get useful amounts of salt, at least on a commercial level. Let's pause there. That's absolutely not true. That is absolutely wrong. I'm sorry. Um, I've actually visited in Portugal, a place where they made sea salt, and all it was was a bunch of concrete troughs, and as the tide would come in, they'd open a valve and they'd allow them to fill, and once they filled, they'd close the valve. And then by the time the tide cycle was ready to come back, it sat out there and baked in that sun, and these guys, they did it all by hand. They went out there with these things that almost looked like um, almost like a window squeegee, but c- kind of different, and they would just scrape the salt up out, and they'd end up with piles of salt, and the guy would go around and pick them all up, and they would do that every tide cycle. So that can take five years. Now, I agree with you about the need for salt. It's one of the things we really need to save and store, and it's going to be a huge asset, for anybody that lives on the coast to be able to create and move inward. There was a reason that they used to send people to the salt mines in Siberia. Remember hearing about that? Because in the days before we had mass commercial production of salt, that's how you had to mine it. like It was coal or or gold because it was that important to people. Salt is one of the most valuable things that a human being can have for taste, for preservation. It's mentioned in the Bible over and over again. And it's mentioned in other holy texts over and over again because it's so intrinsic to who we are and what we need. Uh, additionally, it's why you've always seen early civilizations thrive in coastal areas where they can get salt. And living in the interior has always been much more difficult until we had trade lines set up to a point where it was easy to transport salt. There were times where wars were fought over, fought over salt. It's uh, it's extremely important, and I have thought about it quite a bit. Um, ironically, a lot of places that you would consider salt-efficient, now the land is salted because of improper agricultural techniques. There are some ways to get salt. You can even get salt from blood, uh, believe it or not. So the deer that you shoot actually can become a source of salt. Uh, there are ways to do that. It is not easy. There's plenty of sodium and salt suspended in our foods. We don't really need salt to eat, but it makes our food a lot more uh, tasty. Now, here's the good news about salt. Right now, you can buy a pound of salt for like less than a buck. You can go buy a great big 50-pound bag for about $20. Maybe not today because it's snowing and they jacked the price up. But you can buy tons of salt, dirt cheap. Store it. One of the most important things you can you can store, and you're right, long-term, people that know how to make and generate salt, definitely a rebuilding skill. The big thing, though, is as soon as we can reestablish enough infrastructure to get any type of transport to interior regions, there's plenty of production to be done out of the ocean. It does not take five years. I don't know where you got that number. Um, here's another one. Speaking of mining, houses and cars are full of all kinds of useful things, but But don't don't forget, we have a full billion tons of low-grade hydrocarbons sitting on the surface of the planet. I'm talking about asphalt. With some chemistry, you can turn it into something useful. And not just heat or gas. Well, this is the stuff they couldn't turn into gas. But plastics. Chemistry in general is useful, and not just in the pharmacological sense. Soap, shampoo, detergent making would be my priority. What about you? I think that's great. Uh, Chemistry is one I definitely didn't think of. And I really should because it's kind of the same MacGyver type skills. Chemists, that's, that's very insightful. Chemists may be extremely valuable. And you think about that. We do have a major petroleum reserve, okay, sitting on our roads everywhere. I've never thought about that before. So, uh, Stefan, badass thought. Think about that, folks. And that has to st- make a stop right there. It's probably true that you've never thought about that either. Somewhere near you, there's an old basketball court made out of asphalt. You, and you go out in the summertime, and it, it actually kind of moves a little bit under your feet, you know, because it gets hot. And that's there's a huge amount of petroleum available there that a chemist could come up with a means for extraction of. Now, why is it important that we pause when we, when we come up with a, with a concept like that? Because what else are we missing? What else is just laying around? Maybe this is the, 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 the next follow-up in this series of podcasts. Give me comments today. What is laying around all over the place that there's an abundance of that people don't see any real value in today, or they see one type of value, but in an end-of-the-world scenario, it'd be a totally different value? What's out there? like the miles and miles and miles of asphalt that's just sitting there waiting to be harvested if we ever have to do it very insightful great one there not reading the whole comments so we can get a bunch of them in today Dr. Richard says metal casting several hundred dollars I can build propane fired oven capable of burning aluminum, brass, bronze, tin, gold silver, copper, and cast iron charcoal filed versions can melt all these except cast iron uh, great I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right that it's basically going back into metal forging and blacksmithing. And that's a great skill set and what I didn't bring up. And it, there's, it, right back with the last question, there's metal everywhere. We have piles of, of, of rusting metal all over the place. We live in a throwaway society. A lot of the things that we're throwing away may not be thrown away in the future, uh, or may be salvaged. And he goes, right into the next one, salvage skills. Identify and safely disassemble and remove and transport salvaged goods and materials will be critical skill. Combination of mechanical and structural engineering, material handling, rigging skills. After buildings have been looted, valuable materials remain to be salvaged. Windows, doors, bricks, structural steel, scrap metal. Completely agree with you. That's a great thing, having that salvage, scavenging eye and the the knowledge necessary to safely extract things and know what can we take out of this building and what can we not take out of this building. Because taking out certain things may bring a piece or all of it down on top of your head. So huge there. I'm glad you put safety in that. Next one is uh, forge welding and blade making. Uh, These are more advanced uh, blacksmith skills that not all blacksmiths can do, particularly ones without the right gear. Very good. And here's a thought that I just had. For stuff that's laying everywhere. It's the end of the world scenario. It's hard to find steel. You are a guy that can make blades, and that is your contribution to your community. Where would you get steel? How about all the signs? They might not be the most high-carbon, badass, you know, super steel, but all the signs that are all over America, up and down our highways, the poles and the signs themselves. The signs are very thin. But there's a, there's a place for that thin steel. But the poles, a lot of the poles are those uh, kind of erector set looking things. There's some pretty good steel there that could even be folded over on top of itself a few times in kind of a, a Damascus-type arrangement. And you have an immense supply of material for building just from road signs. And uh, I know we're not supposed to take road signs down, and I'm not advocating that, folks. In the type of scenario I'm talking about, the road signs wouldn't be very useful. So all of those play well against each other and kind of help us with the concept of let's do a follow-up show. What else is laying around out there, folks, that we don't think about? Um, 423 Aaron uh, says, sewing, fabric making, weaving, leather working, brick and mortar making, all very useful. Uh, I like the storyteller-musician idea as well. Absolutely. Um, Anything as far as, uh, you know, making clothing especially when you take it down to leatherworking and things like that, using natural materials, a lot of that skill has been lost. And a lot of that skill doesn't even exist in this country anymore, where it is even being done with automation. We've exported that skill set to China, to the Philippines, to Malaysia, to Brazil. They have the big factories now with people that actually understand the process of making fabric. We import our fabric. Right? That's our skill now, is importation and reselling. And it's not that there's nobody that knows how to do that anymore, but the skill is in decline in this country. So very good stuff there. Uh, Stefan comes back and says some more. Yeast making for bread making, which requires which requires uh, beer making, vinegar making, cream of tartar production, which requires wine making, bleach making for clean water. Great stuff. Uh, yeast is not hard. Yeast, as long as you have something to start with, and you have something to feed it, you can propagate yeast over and over and over and over again. The key is, for certain things like beer and wine, doing it in a, in a very clean uh, environment. People use the term sterile. Um, unless you have a laboratory, you never have sterile. What you have is a high level of sanitation. That's I've been a home brewer a long time. And even when you do everything right boiling and sanitation and and cleaning and scrubbing and you do everything right every once in a while you come up with a batch of homebrew that as soon as you open the first bottle and taste it some nasty got in there. It happens. So that's the challenge with yeast making and making sure that there's always a reserve of uninfected yeast available for future propagation and to protect and guard that religiously. And once you've created a new batch to pull another, so you have multiple reserves isolated from each other of your yeast strains. A lot of good stuff there from Steph. and very insightful, man. Um, here's a here's a uh, another one. Um AJR65 says what about healers I'm currently in school to be a siatsu massage therapist and then go on to being an acupuncturist I think it would be I think that if uh, society breaks down people will have to rely on whatever's at hand for wellness and you know what you may be teaching those skills to a doctor so that he can take his medical knowledge and combine them with your skill set and he may be learning from the herbologist as well and then there may be a division of labor that goes on from there in that type of scenario because a lot of our medical doctors are complete they're familiar with the concept. They have no idea how to give a massage. And they have no idea how to teach someone else to give a massage. As they're building a, a healing clinic and massage is a very valid healing technique. Uh, acupuncture is also huge. Acupuncture by a real expert can be used to numb areas. I know a dentist who's an expert acupuncturist who can put a couple needles in you and drill your tooth and you'll feel no pain. And I've I've seen it done. I saw it on video, and I saw it first first hand. Unbelievable. You know, drilling really a tooth is wool, right? So uh, maybe we add dentistry to that. But and, and I think the thing about acupuncture is the real masters are all from the Asia. Asia. They all are. We, we, we it's pretty easy to become a certified acupuncturist in this country and not really be that kind of a master. So if you're going to pursue that, find someone who's been doing it for years and who's learned either directly in Asia or from someone from Asia who's studied under them for a long time. And let's build that skill set here because I think that's a huge one. Uh, Guitar says charcoal making. Unless you have a coal mine, charcoal will be the only game in town. I think that's a pretty big one. Um, Charcoal making is, is pretty simple to learn how to do, uh, but it requires a lot of energy to make charcoal. So we're going to have to reserve charcoal for things that just burning wood does not, does not work well for. And um, But there's a there's a lot that can be done with that. And if we're smart, we can create wood gas as we, we make charcoal. We can harvest the wood gas and either use it or store it for future use. Uh, next one that Guitars uh, guitarist says plow sharpening, a skill that's just about been lost. Agreed agreed I think that plowing is overrated though anymore I think that with what we've learned now the last thing we need to be doing is tilling our soil but for certain crops and in certain arrangements and trying to create large production fast it may be very very necessary Um, Dark Winter says Jeweler you have an underrated post the end of the world skill Uh, if gold becomes a medium of exchange people will need to be sure that the gold they have is in fact gold I think being a jeweler or a goldsmith would be a great skill and uh, one that would make your most listeners grind their teeth would be city councilmen. People would still need to have organization and inspiration. They want leaders, and the shit hits the fan. A city councilman is far enough removed from politics, and a large-scale shit hit the fan would not be his fault. And at the same time, he's involved enough with the community to know the residents and to understand how, uh, what they need. Uh, So, yeah, I said a trustworthy, hardworking, honest local politician may be a good, underrated post hit the fan fan skill. May very well be. Uh, Finding honest politicians is not really easy to do. But you're right, if you're going to find them, you're going to find them in the councilman level, uh, in the alderman level, you're going to find them uh, at lower levels. Unfortunately, the bigger the city and the town, the more corrupt those positions uh, turn out to be. I would not want to rely very much on a Dallas City Councilman. Those guys have been, all of them have been under investigations left and right, and, I mean, just involved with all kinds of crap and kickbacks. Um, You come into Arlington, a little bit better, but not good. Uh, Mansfield, the corruption I know of down in Mansfield is unbelievable. These are towns right around me. These are not very big towns, Arlington and Mansfield. They're large, but they're not anything as big as Dallas or Fort Worth. So... small towns, I think that that may be more valid, but there are honest people everywhere. We have a few honest people in Congress. Hopefully we'll have some more after the 2010 elections, but God, I doubt it. My problem with government and politics today is even when you send honest people in, once they get inside the machine, the machine either destroys them and they quit because they can't stand it or corrupts them. It's very difficult to be an honest politician for very long in our current system of government. I don't trust our system of government. I think there's way too much power that's been given to them. Way too much power has been taken away from people. I don't want to go on a tirade on that. Your point's valid, but find me some honest politicians before. I'm going to have to put them some kind of litmus test. If you're a politician at all, I'm sorry. And there has to be the arrogant person. So now we are here to Sean, our arrogant person of the day. Nothing mentioned above will be worth... And he's got a bunch of characters. I'm thinking he means shit. You can say shit on my blog, Sean. Nothing mentioned above will be worth shit if, in addition to the knowledge, you don't have the ability to defend yourself and your assets with stealth, superior force, and skill. All the spoils will go to those who possess the asset of superior force. I'm a country boy, general contractor, electrical contractor, pilot, tactically trained firearms expert, trained in martial arts, mountain bike champion, triathlete, etc. The more you know, prepare, and train, the better chance you'll not only survive but to thrive. First of all, Sean, I think you're full of shit. I don't think you're half of that list. I really don't because everybody's a hero online. And even if you are, I'm not impressed and I don't care. I can give you a laundry list of things that I've done, too, and I'm sure people listening to this show can give you a laundry list that's better than yours. Here's the reality. Here's the facts, Sean. You can be all that, and a poorly trained 12-year-old boy can walk up behind you and slit your throat, and you'll lay there, die, and bleed. So that's just at the most basal level. The second thing is, I guess you have a hard time understanding the concept of the word underrated, Sean. You see, underrated means things that not everybody talks about. Well, see, there's a million places where people talk about that side of prepping and being prepared all the time. Um, I've talked about home defense, uh, over and over again. 423 Aaron who is quite a good rifleman there, Sean. Uh, a master rifleman, I would say. It uh, says, It is specifically stated many times in Jack Shows and implied in the rest that defensive skills are necessary. Uh, further, is mentioned that if you have nothing to defend, then the firearm skills uh, will not mean a whole lot. That is unless you plan on becoming a raider. In that case, you may find gardeners who are more expert in the use of firearms than you are. On that note, what qualifies you as an expert and what are you ready to fly? Um, I think that that arrogance... Makes you an extreme liability in a survival situation. And I don't think anybody's going to take you in, except people that are like you, and you guys will end up killing each other. I think Aaron nailed you pretty good there, and I think he's made a point. Again, this this show and this series are about underrated skills. Everybody knows that in a shit hit the fan scenario, you need to have a gun you need to know how to use it. But th- there is a group of elitists out there, like Sean, They think because they've taken 20 years of taekwondo or mixed martial arts or they ride bicycles for 100 miles or can do 100 pull-ups, that they're actually better suited to survive in these situations than everybody else. And they're smarter than everybody else. And they know more than everybody else. Well, I'm telling you, that arrogance is such a liability that it completely counteracts every other thing that you actually have going for you, that would be an asset if you had a little bit of humility, a little bit of leadership, and a little respect for other people. Because you take the most badass guy out there, and give 20 old women shovels, and they'll beat him to death. You take the tactically trained firearms expert, and here's the reality, and this sucks for all of us that we have to deal with. One person with one gun and one bullet can make anybody dead no matter how good they are. You can't be prepared all the time to be attacked. It can happen to anyone. It's a risk that we all have. Human life is very fragile. You can spend your whole life trying to become superhuman, but what you really need is an ability to create community and have support from others because five people working together even if they all have physical limitations, are always going to outdo one person no matter what kind of physical specimen he has created for himself. Sean, I think you're arrogant. I'm going to leave your comment on the blog. I'm not going to censor you or anything nonsensical like that because you didn't violate any of our terms here. You didn't insult anybody. right? And Sean, if you want to come back and post a follow-up, you're allowed to use the word shit on my blog. It's one of the uh, allowable words. About the only thing I don't allow is variations of the F word. This is an adult show. But, Sean, I challenge you to think, and I really challenge you to start thinking when you speak, who you're speaking to and what the situation is. Basically, Sean, you're a person that just, and the reason I'm doing this, I, I want people to learn from this. Here's what you just did. Five guys are sitting around having a conversation about golf, and you just walked in and said the greatest running back in the world was Walter Payton, and you shot your mouth off like you're smarter than everybody else. Your point doesn't even matter because it's not conducive to the conversation. These guys were talking about golf, and you're talking about a football player from 20 years ago. Good job. Um, let's go over to the forum real quick and see. There's a post thread over there. I'll, I'll pull some more stuff out of it for this show. Okay, folks, and if you have made a comment or a blog post or a, a forum post, and I don't read yours, it's probably because uh, someone else said the same thing, and I don't want to say the same things over and over again. Um, this first guy laughs about my Marvin Martian uh, uh, reference Um, Ray H095 says I have a family member that needs daily medication there's many people who function fine with but will not be good to be around once the medication supply has gone not to mention those in prison Uh, he says still waiting for the skills part so basically uh, Ray says I have the problem I don't know the solution Ray I don't know either I don't know the solution to people that need maintenance medication, um, both for uh, physical illness, and you bring up a good one, mental illness. There's a lot of people out there that are practically psychotic without their meds. I guess the other side of it, there's a lot of people out there that really are on psychotropic medication that don't belong on it. I would say probably eight out of ten of the people that are taking that crap today shouldn't be on it. there is uh, a video, I can't remember the name, but if I do, I'll mention it in a future show, that talks about how the pharm- pharmacological drug industry, um, the psychotropic drug industry, became what it is today. How the entire thing was put together by a few doctors on a trip to Puerto Rico. How much money they make is mind-boggling, and how quickly these things are prescribed today. So, there's a lot of overprescription, but there's people that need it, you're right. Um, moving on. Uh, KC8SON says another skill I don't think has been addressed yet is the second or third language in, uh, in my area there's a lot of people from other countries, cultures including Somalia, Vietnam, Mexico just to name a few imagine how difficult it will be to barter with someone without common language better yet imagine the advantage you would have if they assumed you didn't understand their language I took Mandarin in high school you should see people surprised when I use a couple of phrases I still remember uh, linguist, good one, linguist, interpreter uh, all of that stuff, uh, good to go. And I think that maybe a lot of people that actually are uh, immigrants to the United States that have learned English that know both languages will step into that role. But I think it's a good idea to learn a foreign language. I'm I'm decent in Spanish myself. I should probably brush it up on it more. And I know there's like, uh, because of the illegal immigration issue, there's a lot of people that have a real issue with, I don't, shouldn't have to learn Spanish, you know. Well, I agree. If someone comes to you and says you're going to lose your job if you don't learn Spanish, I think that's bullshit. Especially if you work for the government, and the reason you have to learn Spanish is so that uh, people that don't speak English can come get services without being responsible for their own interpreter. I think that's crap. Uh, And I think your employer should be sued out of existence, even if they're a Social Security Administration. I mean, it is ridiculous that we have people being forced to learn Spanish for a job today. or not hired because they don't speak Spanish. For those reasons. Now, if the job's interpreter, okay, if the job is interpreter, then having that skill is valid for the job. So I I don't want anybody beating that one up. But, um, yeah, this is a skill that we're all going to need to have in the future. This world is collapsing in on itself. And we're having to reach out and talk to people from all over the world. And there's a lot more global travel now. I think having at least one second language is a really important skill set. And uh, you might want to be creative with the language that you learn. Spanish isn't a really uh, hard one to come up with people that speak that language and and another language. Uh, Vietnamese, Mandarin, things like that, I'll tell you what, um, might be very, very useful. Uh, Let's look for one more here. Uh, Chris Redfield says, um, one might be something that I've intended in myself, but anyone of strong faith who would would be of great value. Faith can hold people together and help them through incredibly difficult times. I remember hearing a radio report from Haiti where the chaos of the streets was suddenly silenced, united in song and prayer. Yeah, I I think so. I think for, especially, there's a lot of people out there that religion and faith are a huge part of their lives. And it's not just about people of faith, but, you know, churches will be assembling points during a rebuilding churches, synagogues, temples and people that can minister and we may end up with a shortage of clergy Uh, they die from illnesses just like the rest of us, they don't have any special powers there Um, so we may end up in a place where people have to sort of become reverends or or priests or uh, you know, clergy in one sense or another, just out of the facto thing, just like, you know there's no ruling body anymore to say that this guy's in charge, it's just that guy rises up and fills that need in society. So I think that's a valid one, definitely. Ron Overdrive says, I'm actually surprised he didn't mention radio operation. Come on, dude. You know, again, the show's only an hour long. Uh, just because you can have skills of an electricity computer doesn't mean you have skills of a ham radio operator. There's a lot more to radio than keying up on a microphone like you do on band. Good hams know how to propagate radio waves around the entire world. Uh, with little to no power. There are some HAMs known as QS peers uh, that do this with as little as a half a watt. With as little as five watts, a technician class holder can communicate via low-earth orbiting satellite repeaters, as long as they're still up there, uh, if it wasn't a solar flare. Uh, think about that. With as with much power as one of those little AAA battery-powered flashlights, you can cor- c- corners, cor- corner store these... You find at a corner store, these people can create global communications networks. Absolutely. I think HAM is a huge skill. It's not what I have. I started reading the book. I'm gonna to have to go take a course. Reading that book was mind-numbingly boring for me. There's no storyline. There's no narrative. It just set, you know, like the rules, regulations, and frequencies. And I know that's what it's all about. But I think I'm gonna to have to learn uh, by hearing it. That that's just not reading I can do. It doesn't excite my mind. I also think that hands-on is really the way to learn. Um, you know, when we learned uh, how to do, do radio communication skills in the military, we sat down with a radio and we used it. And we might have not been on a, 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 a channel or a frequency that would interfere with other communications. Uh, we might be communicating with the guys across the room instead of across uh, the field. But that was the best way for me to learn. So I have a little bit of a hard time learning. That. I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's tough for me. I also, again, I'll reiterate, I don't come on here generally and talk a lot about things that I'm not familiar with. So since I'm not a ham, since I'm not well versed in radio communications, you won't hear me talk about it a lot, because then you're hearing me talk about theory rather than practice. And I know some people accuse me of that, but the stuff I talk about every day, folks, is stuff I do every day. Um, so that's why we've been limited there, just like the medical side. I've got a guy that PM'd me that said he's a ham. He's been doing it for a long time. He'll come on and do an interview. I'm going to reach out to him uh, maybe next week and see about setting that up. So we'll get a show on ham radio for you guys. But absolutely, I think it's a critical skill set. Just remember what I said. Any list of these skills you come up with, a person can only really have high competency in maybe three or four, and maybe know a little bit about a lot in a, in a few other things. But there's going to be some areas where people just don't have an interest or a natural talent, and not everybody can do everything. Here's a good one I, I've actually not really thought of, and it's it's very valid. Zach and Jen, two thousand four, say. Uh, I think in a rebuilding society, people with a, quote, stockman's eye, unquote, will be valuable. Anyone who can manage animals with the ultimate goal of providing something useful for people. Uh, Specialized skill sets in this vein include veterinarian and teamster, uh, one who's actually trained and drove the oxen or horses. Uh, Large draft animals consume lots of resources, but they also provide fertility and can reproduce. I love huge earth-moving machines, but in this scenario, that leaves these glorious species uh, pieces of metal unable to operate. Uh, draft animals will be useful. Two generations ago, people had a common understanding of what their animals needed to thrive and thus provide for their family. But let's face it: some households were better than this than others. Under the care of a gifted animals, thrive, reproduce, and yes, die well and eat and will eat well. Uh, you're definitely right. And let me let's let's dispel a myth that vegetarians use about livestock in the first place. Here's what the vegetarians say. If everybody would just eat vegetables and not eat the poor animals, then we would, we would use less resources because we would have to, to, to take grain and feed it to the animals. We could just eat the grain ourselves. Well, you're right and you're wrong. And let me tell you where you're way wrong with that thought. You're way wrong with that thought with things like grass-fed beef and free-range chickens. See, animals have the ability to eat foods that we do not So I can take cattle and put them out in a great big field of grass that provides very little nutrition for me and my family. But the cow can eat that grass. The cow converts it to milk that I can use for dairy products. Eventually, if I want to slaughter some of the cows, they're converting it to meat. They convert it to manure, which can then be used for growing more useful products. Animals are conversion systems. And many of them convert resources that directly are useless to us. They have to go through the cow. They have to go through the turkey. They have to go through the chicken to become useful. And there's something called trophic pyramids, where they say, well, it takes X amount of grass and X amount of grain, and then you get X amount of grasshoppers for X amount of turkeys. But the trophic pyramids are useful for thinking about these things. But they're not direct paths. They don't work that way. There's so many. Between 20 animals and, and plants... There's probably a thousand interrelationships inter- inter- there. So that's a huge skill. And, uh, you know, veterinary skill as well, being able to take care of animals uh, when they're sick and knowing which animals to work with. Great stuff. And, again, if we are in a, a highly uh, advanced d- d- decline where we don't have a lot of petroleum available, large, heavy animals are a way to get things moved around. Great stuff there. would. Pukwudji, whatever, okay, Pukwudji, Pukwudji, P-U-K-W-U-D-J-I, Pukwudji. Lots of stuff that's already been said. Uh, Well digging, though, that's a new one. Pretty uh, low-tech ways to dig wells. Most people wouldn't know where to start if they didn't. Could you call up a local digging company? I guess along those lines are people with geological knowledge, the best places to dig wells, I bring dowsing into that. And I know some people don't believe that dowsing is real. And I think there's a lot of um, bullshitters in the dowsing industry. But dowsing can be used to find flowing water. Uh, dowsing can be used to find a lot of things. Um, I've actually seen how you can use dowsing to identify where uh, gas pipes are. Um, and and what direction the gas is flowing? Well, not really what direction, as it is it going left or right, but what direction the pipe is, is moving. It's it's always on. Um, it's always uh, something that can be done. So I I think that all of those things are big. So water finding, location technologies, well digging, very very important uh, in, in a kind of a pol- post apocalypse uh, site. One more uh, from the same uh, fella. Uh, what about a Cooper? Uh, not a lot, be- not a lot better for storing large quantities of stuff than barrels. Boxes work, but barrels are much stronger. Uh, you know what, man? That's that's really a uh, a lost skill as well. And uh, the guy's name is actually Brian, rather than his form handle. It's easier to say than his form handle. Uh, good stuff there, Brian. Uh, Chris Redfield says the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker—they'd all be quite v- valuable after shit hits the fan. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, There's a lot of uh, other skills that people have that are pretty good, but I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up today. I I guess, why did I do a show like this where I just take your suggestions and we go through this laundry list of things uh, that are useful in in disaster scenarios? I think it's just to help stir your creativity is what I want to do today. I want you to understand that there are resources that are being wasted all around you right now, things that could be put to use. It's all about the way you look at understand and interpret things. And a lot of these skills would be very valuable and useful right now, today, even if nothing goes. It, it's hard to imagine um, society being different than it is today, I think, for people. But if we really look at society as, as it is today, I think there's a large portion of, 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 of the population that is realizing what we have today isn't really good. We, we, we've caused a lot of grief for ourselves A lot of the things that we've marveled at as being wonderful creations have actually become detriments to our society. A lot of the threats that we face today are because of the way we consider to be normal living today. Our addiction to stuff, our excessive uh, need for more and more debt to supply that addiction for stuff, a society that most values things when they're cheap, so that we export our skill sets around the world. One of the the big reasons I did this show is I want you to think about how many skills that people in this nation had in the 1950s that are almost extinct today. They're just gone. They were common knowledge 70 years ago. And now most of the people that had them and, and still saw value in them as society evolved have died or are dying. And they don't have the dexterity and the knowledge and the capability to do them or teach them anymore. And every time one of those those people passes away, another piece of that knowledge is lost. And if we go another two generations, folks, another two generations, without looking back first, and without seeing the things that are getting left behind, they'll be gone forever. The knowledge won't be there anymore. We're evolving into a society that is becoming completely dependent on modern technologies. People think we're already there. We're not already there. Some of the marvels that will be created over the next 50 years will make what we've already done look like nothing. And there's both wonder there and there's a threat there. There's a threat that we become too dependent. There's a threat to the abuse of that technology by corporate powers and by government. But the bigger threat is what we'll lose We'll lose the stockman's eye The herbalist's knowledge of healing We'll lose the acupuncturist's ability To sedate a patient with two or three needles and no drugs We'll lose the knowledge of how to turn a backyard Into a food producing machine We'll lose the blacksmith's knowledge the custom blade maker's knowledge, because machines can do all of that now. The Cooper's skill of building a barrel was one of the most esteemed skills on the planet at one time. During the feudal times, right, the serfs were out there working and toiling in the field. One of the few skills you could have that would move you into that day's equivalent to the upper middle class was barrel making blacksmithing. If you were good at those two skills, you had a decent life, even in the dark ages. Because those skills were so necessary. And today we don't value them anymore. The skill of telling stories, as much as I love my iPod and my computer, is being lost to electronics. People don't sit around in the evenings and share stories with each other anymore. Live entertainment. You know, it's not what it used to be. At one time it was all that people had. And it's still there. But when you take anything in a society and you look in over 50 years, you see that it's in decline. The future can only be extinction for it eventually. And I say no to that. I say that it's time for us to start taking these skills, preserving them, developing the knowledge, owning the skills as they say at Wilderness Way. And making them part of who we are, so that they don't perish. So that they're both preserved for their historical and cultural value. And in case we ever need them. That's the big one. Because it's going to be too late one day for society that looks back and goes, Man, I wish there was somebody that knew how to do this stuff. When all of those people are gone and dead, and everybody up until that point, until society crashed, thought, "Ah, we don't need that anymore. We've moved beyond that. We're a civilized society now. You know, just like the lady that I talked about that was on the Today Show yesterday. We really don't have to worry about these things anymore. They brought her on to help people prepare for winter storms, and her closing statement was, we don't really have to worry about these things anymore. And no one raised an eyebrow on the set. No one said, wait, 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 is that what you meant? Did you mispr- I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Now, on another note, right? that's the society that we have today. It's up to you to change that. You're the only one that can do it for yourself, for your family, for the people around you. Knowledge is priceless. Specifically knowledge you don't get just from a book, but you get from actively going out and doing things. And the one knowledge set that I'll tell you what, that I think is the most valuable skill for the future even if we don't have the apocalypse, which we hopefully won't, is permaculture, because I believe it can prevent it. It's a way to design living systems where man and the planet coexist without getting all hippie freaky on you, right? Because you know all that stuff I said today about vegetarianism and how animals actually convert unusable resources into reason- usable resources and made a case for being a carnivore? That came from Bill Mollison, folks, not from me. That's where I learned that. It is designer's manual. So permaculture, big one. All these other skills, big ones. And you don't have to learn everything. You don't have to know everything. But pick some things that you have an affinity for. I believe that we all come into this world with certain gifts, certain skills, certain aptitudes. And it's only when we're practicing them that we have true joy in our lives. So find yours, no matter what they are. Whether they're high-tech or low-tech, doesn't matter. Find the things you have an aptitude for. Become very, very good at them. And diversify your skill set outside of that range into some other things that you feel good about doing. That's a great way to start living that better life. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life, if times you tough, or more, even if they don't. you can scream. You can holler, it really doesn't matter, cause it all gets thin.